People walking on the commons were noticing me now. Several of them had stopped walking and just stood looking at me with their mouths hanging open. I've never liked being the center of attention, and I usually dressed and acted in such a way that I was never noticed by a crowd. Now, everyone was looking at me simply because I was naked. It made me feel lower than everyone else somehow, and the only word I could think of to describe it was humiliation. And yet, seeing those shocked expressions, especially on the guys, made me feel quivers that started in my nipples and traveled through the core of my being, down into my belly, and beyond. What the hell was wrong with me? This should be the most embarrassing thing anyone could ever experience. But I was feeling some kind of electric charge from it. You're either very brave or very crazy, the girl next to me said. You are listening to Share a Slice with Sean. Do you ever wonder what it's like to be naked all the time? Well, we're going to be talking about this along with nude activism, nude modeling, ideas about nudity and sexuality. It's all in this book by guest D.H. Jonathan called The Volunteer, all about a young woman who basically was forced to be naked for two months on a university campus. Uh, I'd like to mention that uh, extracts from his book are being read in this episode by voiceover artist and podcaster Tawny Plattis, and we'll also be hearing an ad for her podcast called The Dirty Bits as well. It's an excellent, excellent podcast. So now without further ado, let's jump right into the interview with D.H. Jonathan. So D.H., can, can you explain to me uh, exactly like what, what is the general overall plot of this book? Uh, the plot basically is a young lady at a fictional university in Southern California. She's caught cheating on a paper. Uh, she's about to be suspended, some kind of academic suspension, but her scholarships are going to go away as a result of the suspension, and which means she's not going to be able to afford to go to school there anymore. A sociology professor calls her in and offers her a way to keep her scholarships and uh, even keep credit for that course that she cheated in. But to do that, she has to become the central figure in a sociological study that this professor's doing. And the, the only condition of that is that she doesn't wear clothes for the rest of the semester, which is another two months. She goes to dining hall. She attends all her classes uh, in the nude. Uh, she's prohibited from wearing clothes for the rest of that semester. The book is written in first person from her point of view. I wanted the readers to kind of come as close as they possibly could to feeling and experiencing what she feels and experiences throughout, throughout these two months that she's naked. What I read, and, and I mean, what I heard about this is that it's actually kind of inspired or based on a, an actual student of Berkeley called Andrew Martinez, who back in the early 90s, they called him the naked guy because he basically decided to attend school, attend classes completely in the nude. Yeah, I first heard about him in 1992. I, and of course, I was always fascinated with nudity, being nude in public. Uh, it was always a taboo thing for me growing up, so much so that when I got to college in 1984, I started modeling nude for art classes. 
I looked for nudist venues to go to, but there just weren't in that many. There weren't any in Fayetteville, Arkansas, where I was going to school. But I did model for nude for the art classes. So things like that always fascinated me. So in 1992, I, I heard about, and I think I, I think I first saw him on an episode of the talk show Sally Jesse Raphael. I think that was the one. Uh, but and they had him come out in the nude, and they just pixelated certain parts of his body, and he sat on the stage with the audience and and they did the talk show like she always did with whatever guests she was having on. So he always fascinated me. So when I first got this idea, I kind of tied the uh, motivation of the sociology professor back to Andrew Martinez at the University of California at Berkeley. So, so I kind of grounded it in real life. To be honest, that experiment reminds me a bit of an episode of MASH I saw uh, where Hawkeye, he basically put on a bet that he could just walk around the entire MASH unit naked and no one would notice. And it's kind of funny because part of the humor there is that no one actually did notice. Yeah, I remember that episode because I love MASH. I thought it was one of the greatest TV shows ever. And I remember that episode and and that one, I thought, man, I, want, I wish I could do that. Nothing phases anybody around here. What's the matter with zeros. you? Everybody's a cypher. An army of walking zilches. All of a sudden, I'm you're telling you, I could walk around this compound. I bet you I could walk into that mess tent, order lunch, start naked. Nobody would pay any attention to me. Are you crazy? I bet you 50 bucks. Yeah, and, and I remember nobody did notice until he was in the food line. And then when one person did notice, he like dropped his tray. And then the tray dropping made everybody look up. And then that's when everybody noticed. And he and Hawkeye, as I recall, had to use a tray to cover his genitals as he backed out of the mess hall. I recall that actually Andrew Martinez, um, you know, a body freedom activist, he was forced by the uh, by the university to uh, to stop his actions first privately. And then I guess there was some legal action that occurred in the, in the area as well afterwards. Yeah, the universe, as I understand it, the university banned nudity in public. Uh, and then the city of Berkeley itself uh, banned it in, in their city council not too long after that. And from what I've read, Andrew Martinez was the first person arrested for violating that, that city ordinance. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I'm not sure where he is now. I, I, I think that based on my reading, it ended very poorly for him. Yeah, he uh, was in jail for some other reason. Uh, he had some mental health issues and wound up committing suicide in a jail cell. Uh, yeah. I think it was in 2006. Wow, yeah. Um, and there's another actual prominent uh, activist in that area, too. Her name's Gypsy Taub. She recently um, stood up naked during a hearing, actually, about, uh, about n public nudity um, legislation as well in the San Francisco area. Yeah, yeah, I've I've exchanged a few emails with Gypsy over the last few years, and uh, I finally got to meet her recently. Uh, uh, it was just a few months ago. She has been known for stripping in the San Francisco City Council because until February of 2013, it was legal to be nude in public in in the city of San Francisco. Although oddly enough, it was illegal in their parks. You could be <laughs> naked out on the streets. Yeah. Until this new ordinance came out, that, that, which Gypsy Taub. Uh, protested rather loudly. This place sucks, okay? Not hard this fucking council is a fucking joke. I don't fucking care who you are. My body belongs to me. You can't take that right away from me. You can all go fuck yourselves, okay? If there's no one else, fuck you, fuck 
help yourself, okay? If you don't want to deal with your own fucking issues, go get lost, go see a fucking therapist, okay? Fuck this goddamn place. You have no authority over us. You have no authority. She has one or two protests a year, just of that ordinance. But the one most recently that she stripped down in was actually in the city of Berkeley. Uh, Berkeley was debating an ordinance to allow women to go uh, shirtless uh, wherever a man could. And in this, in the council chambers, they decided to stop argument on that and not vote on it. And Gypsy Taub uh, reacted the way she usually does. She got angry and, and took off her clothes in the middle of the Berkeley city council chamber. Yeah, I saw a video of that, actually, and she was standing on top of the very desk. <laughs> it was, it was quite, a, quite yeah. amazing, actually. Tell me a little bit, bit about your nude modeling, because, I mean, you, you grew up in a fairly conservative part of Texas. Uh, I mean, what was the, the first modeling uh, like? Like, what was the first night that we went uh, modeled at an art school like? I was going to the University of Arkansas in Fayetteville. Which may be more, even more conservative than than Texas, but it it just fascinated me. One of the, the girls I was having lunch with one day uh, said that she drew nude models in in her art class. So I walked into the art building and saw on the bullet on the little bulletin board that they needed nude models. Uh, so I applied to be one, and the first session I did was actually not a class. It was just an open figure drawing where anybody could come and pay money and draw. And in fact, it was, I remember the date, it was November 6, 1984. I remember it because it was an election day. Ronald Reagan was running for re-election. In fact, uh, Reagan won 49 of the 50 states and yeah. won in a landslide. Yeah. But a lot of people had stayed home to watch the election return. So I, got, I was called on short notice. Their model canceled. And I was called like about an hour to an hour and a half before the session was supposed to start. Wow. That they needed a model. And I agreed to do it. And then I took a long walk across campus. Uh, nerves, just, it was a nervous excitement. I mean, I was excited, but I was nervous too. I had gone to a couple of those open drawing sessions when I was thinking about modeling. And both times they had had a female model. What's funny was I had gone to the campus bookstore and looked at the textbook for the figure drawing class. And, and all the photos that they had in the art classes showed that the female models they were using were nude, but the male models had to wear, were wearing jock straps. <laughs> I didn't even own a top strap, and I wouldn't have modeled in one anyway because I thought it was rather obscene looking to just be in a jock strap with your bare rear end hanging out. Yeah. Uh, so I wasn't even 100% sure that people would freak out if I took everything off. But I got into the class. Only two women showed up to draw, and they were, you know, they were a lot older than I was. Of course, I was 18, so everybody on campus was older than I was. I took off everything and got on the platform. Nobody said anything, and... And I started taking my poses. Uh, there was no training for it. So I was just kind of making it up as I went based on what I had seen the two female models do, the two sessions I'd attended. And it, it worked out. And then I had a great time doing it. And then I, I bought later modeled for the regular figure drawing sessions. And then uh, at the end of the spring 1985 semester, I modeled for the regular drawing two sessions. You know, they were introducing the figure to them. So I got to model for them. And those classes were packed. There were 20, 25 students in those. When you're up in front of all these people, I mean, you, you mentioned female models. I mean, you know, uh, nipples kind of get erect, uh, the whole thing with, with women. But with men, of course, 
there's your erection. It's very, very obvious when, when a man is, uh, you know, physically aroused. Uh, did you ever mm-hmm. have any fears when you were uh, sitting up there, or I guess, posing? That, uh, maybe... that was a huge fear. Yeah. yeah, that was a huge fear, especially when I was 18 and even into my 20s, because, you know, I, you know I'm a young kid and, you know, I'm attracted to women as much as or more than any other guy. Uh, so, and, and those art classes were full of very attractive women. Uh, but for the most, and, and nowadays when I'm 51 years old now, it, it's not even an issue anymore. But back then, you know, it got to where I got to a comfort zone where the people in the class were supposed to be there. I was supposed to be there and they were drawing me and everything was fine. Uh, but occasionally you get somebody walking in to deliver a note to the teacher or, stumbles in the class by accident, not knowing what it is, or, you know, maybe somebody's late and they hadn't been to the class before. Then, you know, if, if it's an attractive woman, especially I, you know, I look at it and you know, I see her and I wonder what she's thinking. And I know I try to notice her facial expressions. And if they're any way positive at all, you know, my blood starts going, you know, and I have to start thinking of the queen or something. Yeah, exactly. Start, start <laughs> thinking about, uh, you know, uh, Ernest Hemingway or whatever, in a, in, <laughs> uh, whatever you want. When you were 18, did you have girlfriends or, or, you know, what does your family think of your posing for art classes? I didn't have too many serious girlfriends until I was, you know, about 24. I wound up marrying a much older woman. She was fascinated by the fact that I was a nude model, but then when she got married, she wanted me to quit. I didn't want to quit. In fact, I kept modeling and just didn't tell her, which kind of, you know, it yeah. kind of made a, you know, it made dishonesty one of the cornerstones of our marriage, which meant the marriage didn't last very long. Actually, it lasted eight years, but, and now uh, I met my current wife in 1998. We got married in 99. So we've been married 18 years. Uh, she didn't have any issue with it. She's fine with it. Uh, I tell her everything. So, and, and it's a much healthier relationship. I still get to model nude. She understands my basic nature, you know, of being a, a, a naturist. So it's a much healthier relationship. Uh, as far as my extended family, my mom and my dad, I didn't tell them that I was a nude model. It just never came up in conversation. I just, I, in fact, I didn't share it with anybody outside the art world until 2001. <laughs> and then I was a contestant on a very highly rated, popular primetime game show called Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? I had put on my card that I was a nude model. Uh, as soon as I made that hot seat, one of the producers came over to the host, Regis Philbin, and pointed to something on the card. And as soon as we go into the taping, uh, he starts in asking me about about my part-time job. And so I'm sitting there on primetime national television telling everybody <laughs> I'm a nude model. Dan Hawkins from Hearst, Texas, just outside of Dallas, in the hot seat right now. Congratulations Thank on, you. on getting here. And accompanied by uh, your wife, Jennifer. How are you doing, Jennifer? Just fine. Nice to have you here. First time in New York City for Jennifer, huh? Yeah, yeah. her first time. Well, now, Dan, you're a, a computer guy. Yeah. And you also have a part-time job. Yeah, I do. Uh, three or four times a month, I uh, model for uh, college art classes. Yeah. yeah. Do you model nude? Usually? Yeah, you know, I did the same thing. Oh, you did? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, okay. No kidding, you stand there nude, huh? Stand, yeah. sit, whatever. You're not a shy guy, are you? 
Ah, uh, used to be. <laughs> Not anymore. Not anymore. I got a little sore throat from the last class I did. Yeah, it's chilly in there, I'll bet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Jennifer, do you mind? No, I love it. I think it's great. <laughs> really? What do we have here, folks? All right, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, somebody's got to do it, right, Dan? Yeah, somebody's got to do it. You're the guy. I mean, they need to learn uh, how to draw anatomy. And, That's uh, right. Yeah. After a while, it just becomes another job. Thank God you're the man for the job. Yeah. <laughs> Secret was out. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, uh, you ended up, uh, you know, winning a fair bit too, thirty-two thousand. So you you made it, you know, all the way to quite far into the into the program. Yeah, yeah. I I, I missed my quarter of a million dollar question. So you know, I could have walked away at that point with one hundred twenty-five thousand. Oh, oh well. Uh, but I was. I was going for the $2 million prize. You know, it wasn't just a million when I was on. They hadn't had a big winner in a while, so they kept adding $10,000 to the pot every episode that they hadn't had a big winner. So when I was on, the jackpot was $2.07 million. Uh, so I kind of had my sights on that because I figured it was the only shot I was going to get at it. Yeah, I, I missed a quarter of a million dollar question, but I did get to take home $32,000. You had to settle for that. <laughs> you know, Regis's reaction's kind of funny maybe a bit exaggerated even uh, new modeling it really isn't such a such a big deal to a lot of people uh, this the thought of nude modeling it, it doesn't really strike me as sexy at all it's not like going to a strip club or anything no no especially you know in an art class it's pretty academic really uh, when i'm modeling i feel a sense of purity i mean this is this is how i am this is what it means to be a human being and really, sex doesn't really figure into it at all. It's just, you know, you're, you're studying the body the, the way it is. And, and, and that's really all I feel is, is that sense of purity when I'm, when I'm modeling. Yeah, and uh, I mean, it's interesting that we have these laws about public nudity. And yet it seems, you know, it, it, first of all, it's legal in, um, in a strip club. But uh, it's actually outside of the strip club, you know, in a public universities or even in the art scene. I mean, I mean, look at the Michael David's Michelangelo, for instance. Right. I mean, yeah. uh, it's perfectly acceptable there. And yet out, out there, it's not acceptable at all. I mean, it doesn't seem to make any it doesn't seem to make any sense. Uh, and also, I mean, you have you have laws against, you know, indecent behavior, for instance, and you, you yeah. have these existing already. So uh, I don't understand why it's decent to be in a public college naked being drawn by other people, whereas it's somehow indecent to be walking around on the street if you're not doing anything lewd. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it doesn't make sense because, you know, you see a, a, a picture of a nude person, everybody thinks, oh, that's a naked person. Uh, you see a picture of a horse that's nude you don't the horse isn't wearing anything but they just think it's a horse uh there's there's we're trained by society to cover ourselves and and it's really something that's grown more recently as you know people have gotten indoor plumbing because before indoor plumbing people used to have to bathe outside or, or wherever they could and it wasn't that big a deal now that we have indoor plumbing have had it for the last 100 150 years uh, it's become even a bigger taboo, uh, and people take offense. You know, and the big thing is people think think it's it's somehow harmful to children. Well, 
seeing nudity is not harmful to children. It just puts adults and their parents in a bad spot because they may have to answer questions that they don't really want to answer right now. I've actually attended several parties, more so in my youth, less less these days, yeah. um, where um, they were clothing optional parties, really. The, the host said, look, you can wear clothes if you want or, or not. Doesn't matter. Uh, you know, we're all yeah. adults here, so we can all behave, right? And uh, yeah. it, it really was a magical and liberating kind of feeling. I mean, it, it kind of almost made me feel playful like a kid, like I, I didn't, I wasn't being forced to to confine or with with society you know yeah and yeah it, i've pushed the envelope a little bit at parties where you know i i tried to see what i could get away with as far as not wearing clothes and most of most of those experiences have been positive and and, and it's very liberating and people are okay with it because there's nothing sexual going on there's nothing obscene about it you know the the places where i've done that have been with people who are a little bit more enlightened than the general population. Right. Uh, but it is, it's very liberating to be without clothes. Yeah. Yeah. Back in, in fact, back in my, my sort of, uh, religious exploration days, I, I did a little sort of new agey kind of stuff for a while. And I went to these, uh, a couple of, uh, pagan, neo-pagan things. And I was, you know, we were leaping over bonfires and, uh, you know, the only, le- the only sort of ill-advised thing to do there is that you might burn your foot if you actually end up landing in an ember. But uh, the naked part oh, yeah. was was not a big deal. And I mean, after a while, um, everybody became perfectly comfortable with being naked. Um, it, it's interesting how um, there's a almost like a power dynamic when it comes to clothes. So you've got if you're if you're a guy wearing the suit, um, it's it almost seems like the clothes make the man almost with the way our society works these days. Clothing denotes status. Uh, in fact, in in the Bible, when it warns those you know people to be modest, well, that doesn't mean to cover up your body. That means to not wear expensive clothes to kind of show off how wealthy you are. Right. That's really what that means. It doesn't mean to cover your body. Uh, and when you, th- when, if, if you go to a nudist resort and you're sitting there and everybody's nude, uh, you don't know if, if the person sitting next to you is a CEO or a garbage collector because all you know is that that's a human being right? because that's all you see. Yeah, and, and it's a, it's kind of a great equalizer in that regard. Hi, I'm Tawny Plattis. And I host the Dirty Bits Podcast, a show where I very casually retell the sexy, scandalous, and salacious stories your teacher probably left out. We premiere a new episode every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Visit us at tawnyvoice.com slash dirtybits to learn more. See you next Tuesday. When Danny goes out, she actually gets an erotic or sexual thrill from being seen naked. And um, in the story, she went back to her apartment or rather the dorm. And, you know, she took action on that, uh, I guess, uh-huh. uh, charge and she masturbated. And uh, I mean, uh, and then after that, she, she felt guilt. And uh, I wonder, I mean, how many people out there feel guilt when they start going into the nudist way of life yeah doing anything like that just walking around naked how many people feel guilt and where that comes from 
There were a lot of things going on in Danny's mind in the early stages when she has to be naked for the first time. And it just seemed like, you know, growing up the way she did in a very conservative home uh, with a Christian background, that guilt would be what she would feel. But breaking that, that taboo of always being clothed was a very sensual thing for her. And, and it, it was something she had not experienced and didn't know how to deal with. And it just seemed like being sexually aroused by it or just aroused by, by it uh, was just a, a natural response. When it comes to being uh, you know, nude, I mean, it is a very sensual thing. Let's say you've always slept with pajamas before. Or I, I can even remember when I was younger and the first time I slept naked, it, just the feeling is different. Like you, you have a, a whole bunch of feeling around your body. Whereas uh, later on in the book, Danny, when she had to put her clothes back on again, she just realized how little sensation she was getting from the world at that point. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, you know, there's, I know so many people who have never even gone outside without clothes. Yeah. And, and when you do that, when you go outside and you feel the air, hitting your body, the sunshine hitting your body. You, you get all these sensations that you don't get when you're closed. Uh, so it's it's a powerful thing. And and, and uh, those people I know who are nudists, who are very diehard nudists, it is because of that, because of the, the power of, of that sensation that, that, that they get that, that there's really no substitute for. That day, at least the time spent at the nudist resort, was one of the most blissful, relaxing times I had ever had. After the golf cart tour, we were taken back to the office, and we drove Samantha's car back down to the pool area. We had brought a cooler full of snacks and drinks and found a nice shady table on the deck. Most of the other nudists were over 40, but a group of younger people, calling themselves Young Nudists of Texas, were holding a special nude Olympics there, with all kinds of events, tennis, horseshoes, tug-of-war, and what seemed to be the resort's favorite pastime, water volleyball. Samantha eventually tired of being the only person wearing clothes and stripped down to nothing. The water volleyball was a blast. I played in four games, with whichever team I was on winning three of them. Samantha and I also spent a lot of time just sitting around the table by the pool, drinking and talking with the other nudists. We sexualized the breast, the, the female breast, so much because we always insist that they're covered. Uh, if you saw breasts more often, you would, they would start to desexualize. I mean, it used to be in Victorian days, women had to cover their ankles. Uh, when we start, started seeing more and more bare ankles, it became desexualized and it became not a thing at all. You know, you see, you know, I used to see bare legs up to. Uh, up to you know upper thighs now and it's 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 not a sexual thing so the more the body's exposed the less sexualized it is that's one of the points of the book also you know most of the female celebrities who do a lot of nudity uh are of a certain body type yeah that's frankly unrealistic for most women to try to maintain over a course of several years and i I think it leads to a lot of unrealistic expectations in men, and I don't think that's healthy. Uh, they turn to, to pornography, which I think, you know, whatever, you know, if, if couples watch pornography together, that's that's up to them. But if men are doing it by themselves uh, without the knowledge or approval of, the, of their female mates, uh, 
I think it does have an effect on their sex life, and 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 I don't think that's that's healthy. It has something to do with the idea that you've sexualized the naked body so much that you know people can't even look at someone's breast and not be sexualized and and try to evaluate in a sexual manner. Whereas when people look at someone's face or someone's ankle, you know. Uh, the ankle being something that was sexualized only a hundred years ago, uh, they, they're not able to do that yet. There's the, the, decou- the decoupling hasn't happened. Yeah, yeah. And I think that kind of thing is why people have such a problem with women breastfeeding in public, uh, because they see the breast, the female breast, as something that's sexual. And then when you put a baby on it, 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 it doesn't compute for them <laughs> yeah and uh, uh, it blows a wire or something and, and they react strongly and say well you shouldn't be doing that that's well there's nothing that's perfectly natural that's that's more natural than anything you could possibly do in, in terms of feeding a baby and yet we don't let them do it in public because those wires get crossed because we've sexualized the breast so much do you have any projects that you're working now that uh, uh, will be coming out in the future I am working on the sequel to The Volunteer. It's going to be a continuation. It picks up right after The Volunteer left off, except where The Volunteer was first person from Danny's point of view, because I wanted the reader to feel and experience what she was feeling. The second book will be told in third person from different points of view, and it's going to highlight how the world reacts to Danny as she continues to live her life naked. Danny becomes the subject of a reality TV show. <laughs> a producer comes in and they start shooting this on the college campus as she goes goes about her daily life naked. Of course, there's a lot of things staged. I want to show how fake Hollywood can be, right. even when it's a supposed reality show. They come up with different scenarios and they kind of s- script them when they don't go the way they want them to go. You know, they, they cast her roommate. She doesn't just get a roommate in the normal sense. But it, it's been a long time coming, and I've put off writing it for a while, and I'm kind of glad I did now because this whole Harvey Weinstein thing gives me a, a better idea of where to take the story in terms of people in power using and abusing that power toward people who just want to, you know, are seeking fame. And Danny herself isn't really seeking fame, but it just gives me a whole lot of story ideas just taken from the news now. Yeah, especially Danny in Danny's state being naked and and more vulnerable, seemingly more vulnerable than most young women would be who are trying to be the star of a reality show. DH, thanks so, so much for being on the program. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. So I'd like to thank DH Jonathan for being on this episode and remind you that you can find the book, The Volunteer, over at Amazon. And uh, I'd also like to thank Tim Chismar, uh, my friend and longtime listener to the show, for actually suggesting D.H. Jonathan as a guest and putting me in contact with him. So super thanks for that. Uh, Tim's website will be available soon over at timchismar.com, and there'll be links in the show notes. Voice extracts for the book itself were read by Tawny Plattis. And you, if you go to tawnyvoice.com, that's T A W N Y 
voice.com. You'll be able to see some of her work there. And as well, uh, you can listen to her podcast called Dirty Bits Podcast. It uh, mentions all the bits of history that uh, your history teacher very likely did not tell you about. So there's plenty of juicy stuff in there. I highly recommend that podcast. Um, I'd like to thank the Fantastic Plastics, as usual, for letting me use their music for my theme song. And uh, I invite you all to uh, come back for the next episode. The members there invited us to their big potluck dinner that evening, even though we hadn't brought anything. So we stayed and ate way too much food. As I sat in the clubhouse eating a dessert of banana cream pie and listening to two different conversations, I realized that I hadn't once felt that tingling that had stayed with me almost all the time during my two naked months at CVU. Among the nudists, I was part of the norm, a naked person among naked people. That feeling that I craved, and it was only then that I realized I did crave it, was nowhere to be found at the nudist resort. I had felt it the week before, when I had been the only naked person at the pool party, and I realized that what Samantha had said was true. I was an exhibitionist.